Here's something you never hear people say. You never hear people say, wow, I didn't know you were right-handed. <laughs> you, you never hear people say that, but as a lefty, I've grown up with that statement or a version of that statement. People look at me and they see me do it and they go, I didn't know you were left-handed. Well, I, that's different. For those who of us are left-handed, we, we see and have experienced this world, and we know that handedness matters. Anybody else in here left-handed this morning? Let's see. Left-handed people. Yeah, you're, congratulations, you're among the 10% of the population. And so you know what I'm talking about. You know that uh, if you're left-handed and you go out to eat, you're always being told where to sit. Oh, no, you can't sit there. If you're left-handed, you've got to be on the end or get you out on the out. Otherwise, we're going to be... You, you experience that all the time. If you're left-handed, you go to a coffee shop, and instead of getting the lovely heart, you get an ace of spades. That's, that's what happens. If you're left-handed, instead of being able to go to your friend and borrow his golf clubs... You, you can't do that, or his mitt, uh, or his basketball, because he's probably right-handed. <laughs> well, maybe not the basketball. Or if you're left-handed, you also um, experience this fact in school, right? Where you have to stick your hand through the rings in order to write something. Or, as you're going, you're left-handed. You, you do this, you reach, see that picture, you reach around and you write upside down. That's what we have to get. Am I whining a yeah, little bit? A Is lot, it, okay. a whole lot. Okay, a whole lot. I think your outline asked you to move on. Move on, okay, okay. <laughs> so, in this world, we realize and we know that, especially I know, that being ha your handedness really does matter. But this morning, we want to share with you this thought. Your handedness matters even more to Jesus. Now, I'm not talking about whether you're left-handed or right-handed. But what I'm talking about, and we're trying to get across this morning to us all, is that when we talk about the disciple walk life, or the walk of life that reflects being disciples of Christ that we've been talking about for for year uh, for it has been years hasn't it <laughs> for several weeks this crosswalk life that Jesus is looking at us and he wants to know whether we're open handed it's not about what, how we throw what hand we throw with or what hand we write with Open-handedness is about how we give. This morning, we want to talk about this idea of, of giving. In our crosswalk lives, we want to see that being open-handed is what Jesus is calling us to be. 
Jesus and the Holy Spirit have made it clear through Scripture. And I, I just want to give us a quick snapshot of some Scripture this morning. And it just touches the hem of the garment when it comes to giving. But, but they've made it clear that as crosswalk disciples, our willingness to deny ourselves and take up our cross daily and follow Him, that will, willingness is demonstrated through our giving. Especially through the giving of the open hand. Let's look at this snapshot. You see this idea, this statement of Jesus. Give to everyone who begs from you and from one who takes away your goods. Don't demand them back. And another passage of scripture as as Luke goes on from Luke 30 to Luke 38. He says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you give, or you use, it will be measured back to you. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 6-7, a very familiar passage to me, it says, the, the point is this, or now I say, He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. It's just in that very brief and short snapshot of giving that we see that as crosswalk disciples... That we're not supposed to be close-handed people, but we're supposed to be open-handed people. Allowing the grace, and I'm going to say financial grace, that God has poured into our hands to, to be used by our hands, but also to be shared with others as well. And so this morning, as Bill and Princeton and I talk, we, we want to talk about the sacrifice. There's always a sacrifice, and we've been saying that in the whole series. In order to be those open-handed people, we need to sacrifice casual giving for purposeful giving. Casual giving looks like this. It's, it's nonchalant. It's inconsistent. It's effortless. It's, it's without any, ter- uh, any type of determination. And, and that type of giving is fueled by self-walk mindsets. It's, it's fueled by this mindset of me first and more for me. And it's that self-walk attitude that begins to sort of draw the hands in. Instead of them being open-handed, they start holding and, and giving more to self. But purposeful giving is different. Giving is, is intentional. It's with a clear determination to, to uh, demonstrate this crosswalk spirit of Jesus. The crosswalk spirit that seeks to honor God and to bless others even above ourselves oftentimes. And so this morning we want to talk about this this journey. 
And, and we realize that, that this state of, of being a casual giver and sacrificing that and becoming a, a, an open-handed or purposeful giver, that's just not something that happens overnight. But it is, in fact, a journey of faith. And, and we just want to share with you some of our stories of our journey of faith when it comes from being more purposeful and open-handed in our giving. I start with a, a confession. Uh, before I met Betty, um, I was a close-handed, casual, unpurposeful, uh, self-walk giver. That's who I was. You see, I was, even though I went to church all the time, I mean, we were there, you know, as the old saying goes, whenever the doors were open, my mom and dad really never, ever talked to me about giving. I mean, I knew they give, but they never, ever just talked to us about that. And, and, and so before I met Betty, I was just a very unpurposeful, casual, actually non-sacrificial type of giver. And uh, I was what you would call, I was described, my term for me is, I was a leftover giver. Now, let me explain what a leftover giver is. A leftover giver is a person who, when they get paid, they pay their bills, and then they pay all the stuff, and then they get this remaining amount. And then this, at this remaining amount, they look at that remaining amount, and they look at the next, till they get to pay next time, and then they start figuring out, now you understand, you just pay your bills. There's no, there's no talk about giving God anything yet. Because you get what's left, and then you look at that, and then you start thinking about yourself. And you go, well, you know, I want to go out to eat, and I want to go to the show, and I want, to, I want to do life. And then I subtracted that, and then I got to this amount. And then I go, okay, well, I'm going to give God X amount from the leftover that I already gave. And that's who I was until I met my wife. Now, I've got to explain a term to you because I taught the pipeline class, and when I use this illustration or this story, so before you get married, you have all these wonderful conversations, all right, about everything, kids, everything, and one of them is finances. And so I remember Betty and I talking about finances before we got married, and, and so back then in the olden days, dark ages, dark days, there was a thing called the checkbook and a checkbook register. Because I went to the pipeline class. Guys, I was teaching the pipeline class, and one of them came up to me and said, so, like, what's a checkbook register? <laughs> and I was like, what? A checkbook? You know, you know, it was all these, like, I had no idea. So it was a checkbook register. Back then, you wrote a lot of checks, and you had a paper register that you recorded all the checks in. And, and so in order to, we decided that we were going to merge our finances together. And so I said, hey, babe, just let me, let me see your checkbook register. And you could, when you, later on, you could Google that to see what that is, all right? And, uh, and so I grabbed her checkbook register and I was looking at it and then something really, something dramatically hit me. Every time Betty got paid, the next thing she wrote was a check to the church. And I looked at that. 
And I looked at it over and over. And it was, it was clockwork. It was like, as soon as she got paid, she wrote a check to the church. And it hit me. It hit me that she gave God her best and she gave God her first. And where I was a leftover giver, she was a first fruit giver. It, it reminds me of the passage in Proverbs chapter, uh, uh, chapter 3, verse 9. It says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. And I determined from that moment in time, and I made a promise to God first, and I made a promise to Betty that we were going to be first fruit and best givers. And we've been married 38 years. And for 38 years, God has got our first and he's got our best. For 38 years. Our first and our best. And that's nothing to be bragging about. I mean, that's not that's not that this. But it was a it's a journey like you were talking about. It's a journey that was for me that I was just a leftover giver. And I'm so glad I made my I met my wife. And here's what's interesting about that. She didn't say a word to me about this. I just saw her example. Hmm. And I want you to know um, we've been blessed. Because we give God our first and our best. And, 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 I, and not like the way you hear sometimes about giving, you know, like give God a dollar and he'll give you ten or give him ten and he'll get. It's not anything like that. Because if you read on in this verse, uh, uh, Proverbs chapter 3 verse 10, it talks about barns overflowing and things like that. And it wasn't because of that. It, it really was uh, basically two things. Number one was this. We decided that we're going to honor God with our first and our best. We were just, and as Christians, I thought that's what we should be, right? We should be honoring God with our first and our best. And the other one is, is that there is a joy knowing that you're giving God your first fruits. Yeah. And, and so that's my confession, and that's been my journey about giving. And... Um, my plea to you today would be this. Don't be a leftover giver like me. Don't be, don't be like me. Uh, don't be like me. Be a first and be a best. And, and that's my story. And I, and I want to turn it over to Princeton because I know he has a, a journey that he went through also. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> um, my... My journey with giving actually coincides with a physical journey of sorts. Um, I was born and raised in India, as you all, I'm sure, by now know about me. Yes, Monty, I was not from here originally. Um, so, so this journey with giving really coincides with that journey. Uh, in India, growing up, we were essentially living paycheck to paycheck. Mom and dad both worked. Uh, and they collectively made probably anywhere between 150 to $200 together a month, um, but when it came to giving, they would always set aside money, rain or shine, that we would give to the church. 
every Sunday. And, and they instilled in me the value of that, the importance of that, the fact that God uh, desires that and commands that. Um, but not only that, that we should also give cheerfully. And so every Sunday, uh, however little it might have been, they would set aside this money and they'd, they'd put it in my hands and, and I would close my hand real tight so nobody could see it, right? I thought that your left hand shouldn't know what your right hand was doing. I thought that's what that meant. And so I would hold it real tight and here comes the little bag. We used to have bags, not trays. And so I put it in there and man, so happy. That, that's, that's how we gave. And so from a very young age, I knew that it was important to give, that God called us to give, that it was an, an important part of uh, our walk and our relationship with him. And then we moved to England, and, and really that move was uh, for economic reasons. Times were tough in India, and we figured, well, we probably have a better shot at this abroad. Uh, you know, parents had my education in mind, maybe saving up for the future, those kinds of things. And so we moved to England, and now our giving increased. Again, it never faltered, right? They would always set aside this money and talk to me about the importance of giving, put it in my hand, and I was always the designated giver, if you will. And then I came to the U.S. A lot of Indians come to the U.S. pursuing the American dream, right? Hey, get wealthy, okay, accumulate all this stuff for yourself and whatnot, and that's not why I came. I came for the Adventures in Missions program. I came uh, on support. I mm. came dependent mm. on other people's sacrificial giving to pay my bills and for me to, for me to eat and do, do what I was doing. And so I come to the U.S., what was so easy for me before now became so much more difficult. See, when my parents would put that little whatever it was in my hand to, to the offering to give the church, that was easy for me to do. But now I had to take the money out of my own wallet. And I had to put my money in the, in the tray, in, in the bag. Now that was a whole lot harder. And what I learned through that process and what I'm still learning, and I'm on this journey still, is that is that while they had cultivated a dependence on God, I had never got, that, that didn't happen for me, right? Mm -hmm. It hadn't come through to me. Of all the messages that they shared with me, that was one that mm -hmm. somehow got lost in the mix. Mm -hmm. They had this dependence on God that they'd cultivated, that whether rain or shine, they would still give. They'd set aside to give God. But now it was my turn to learn this lesson. And I kept seeing, though, in my life, as I was living on support and starting a family, that there was always something competing for my money. Right. Always something. Right. So whenever I wanted to give God, because I knew I should give God, right. wh whenever I wanted to, there was always something else. And, and sometimes we think, well, yeah, don't, don't, don't spend your money on silly stuff. Well, often it wasn't silly stuff. It wasn't trivial stuff. It was important things. Things like food and <laughs> medical bills and, and, and visiting parents that are halfway across the world. Those sorts of things that you go, there's always something competing for this money that I want to give God. Yes. The realization that I came to was this, that if I waited for the perfect conditions to give, I would never give. Mm, that's right. And the other thing that happened as I was living that way, as I was this casual, close-handed guy, right? This, now I had my hands closed, not because I didn't want anybody to see what I had, but now I had my hands closed because I was afraid to let go. Mm. I was afraid that if I let go and the money leaves my hand, well, what if I don't get any more? That was a real fear. And sometimes I still struggle with that today. It's difficult to open my hands and difficult to let go of that, but, but as I lived that way, I was just racked with worry. 
And sometimes that worry would turn into, into panic. Anybody been there? Mm. This panic of, oh no, oh no, oh no, what's going to happen? But God demonstrated his faithfulness and continues to do that. Not saying that he gives me everything that I want. I want a lot of things, right? But he continues to demonstrate that he is someone that can be trusted. Mm. And I think that's what, for me, that's what it comes to. And, and so that brought me, that journey has brought me to a place where I'm at now, still growing in this, but there's a joy that comes from opening up your hands. Right. There's a joy that comes from saying, okay, God, I'm not exactly sure how all this is going to work out, but you've proven yourself to be faithful before. I trust you'll be faithful now. So opening my hands, and, and that has released me from that worry. But not only that, Paul, Paul says in Philippians that, that he's learned to be content in any and all circumstances, whether he has a lot, whether he has a little. He's learned to be content, and when we look at his life, that journey that he was on allowed him to impact the lives of so many people around him, and I've seen that in my own life now. Now I'm not just obsessing over my situation and what I don't have and what I want more of, and now I can pay attention to the people that are around me. Sure. And so that, for me, that's the joy of learning that dependence on God, of opening my hand, is, is being released from that worry and empowered to serve others. So my plea to you this morning, my encouragement, challenge to you would be to trust God in all things. Okay, trust God in all things. And, and I want to call to your attention the story of the Israelites in the desert. I mean, think about this. For 40 years, God is providing them food from heaven day after day, one day at a time, right? And, and he's providing for them and protecting them, going before them in the pillar of cloud and fire. And he's doing all of these things for them over such a long period of time. What is he trying to do? Why was he doing that? I think it was because he's trying to show them, help them see that he was somebody that could be trusted that he said that he would do what he said he would do for them. And, and throughout that time, he provided for them. The scripture says that even their, even their sandals didn't wear out, their clothes didn't wear out. That's how he took care of them and provided for them. Mm -hmm. But I want to finish on this note. The ultimate fulfillment of God's promises to us to take care of us and for us to be dependent on him uh, is in the spiritual realm. I think what God is trying to show us as he provides for us in the physical realm, as he demonstrates his faithfulness here in the here and now, in the things that we can see and touch, I think he's also showing us that we can trust him with the spiritual promises he's made to us. And, and one day, those spiritual promises will, will find their complete fulfillment. Uh, and and, 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 and that's, that's, that's where we're all headed. So uh, he might continue to provide in, in the physical, but it's so much more than that. It goes beyond that. Well, my, my journey is, uh, of the open hand is, is one that was started by my parents, and it's similar to yours and different than Bill's, but um, I grew up and I was taught always to be an open-handed giver. I was shown and taught by my family to give that way. My parents and my family shaw, uh, uh, showed me and taught me the principle of 1 Corinthians 16.2, and they practice that about what it means to uh, set aside and to save in order that you have something to give every single week, no matter, no matter what. And, and I saw that, and, and I gravitated to that. And, and I also was shown, and I was taught something else about giving, and that is, it's important to give of your time, and it's important to give of your energy. My family was always doing that in the work of the Lord. 
But along with that, that the true picture of giving is not complete until you're also giving as purposefully and with an open hand of your money. And so as I realized that and I saw that growing up, it, 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 it stuck. And so even as I grew up and I made my own money, I, I was giving of my own money and uh, I was trying to share with others what the Lord had given, given me. And uh, even there were times that my parents would go to that check register and they would see if I was, in fact, giving. And so they wanted that to be important to me. And, and, and I got those things and I saw and I understood those. But as I got older and as I started studying the Bible for myself, I saw something else. If you'll look in 2 Corinthians, if you'll open your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, I saw there, and, and this is part of my raising as well, I saw there the purpose of giving to relieve the suffering of others. I saw and understood this purpose of making sure that even though, like the Macedonians, you, you might be suffering yourself, that you still have this spirit of making sure that you have something to give to those who are suffering as well. But then, as you look in chapter 8, verses 13 through 15, you also see this purpose of giving with equality. The spirit of equality that that so that those who have a lot don't have too much and those who have a little don't have too little, but to make sure that those who have a lot are able to share with those who don't have much at all. And, and I saw that and I got that purpose and I, I appreciated that. And then again in Second uh, Corinthians 9 verse 7, there is that purpose of giving in order to please God, for God loves a cheerful giver, and, and to be one who gives cheerfully is, is giving with a purpose to please God. I, I saw that, and that was important, but I never really quite saw and appreciated what Paul says in chapter 9 in verse 12. He says this, for this ministry, or the ministry of this service, is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints, watch this part, but is also overflowing through many thanksgiving to God. I, I, I saw so many purposes from my childhood and here in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, I saw so many of those purposes and, and it was very clear to me. But when my mind hit upon verse 12, it struck me that there is there's more. There is an additional, what I consider a marvelous reason in order to give, and that reason is so God will get thanked. So as I give and you give, that God will see uh, that people will bring many thanksgivings to God because of grace that other people have given to them. I realized that the more I opened my hand, the more God would be praised. 
that other people would give him thanks and would glorify him through me opening my hand. And, and, and I believe God deserves that. And, and I want God to have that type of thanks ever rising into his very presence. Especially when I think about this world that we're living in today. I'm sure you're like me and you understand and you hear that oftentimes people are throwing a lot of blame and a lot of shade at God because things aren't going just perfectly in their lives. You hear that, that God is constantly being criticized or critiqued about something and and that hurts my heart to hear that. But what gives my heart joy is to know that when we open our hands and give open-handedly and purposefully, instead of blame and shade, God is finally getting the thanks and appreciation He deserves. And that's a lot of joy in my heart to, to think about that. And to think how we can all be a part of God receiving this thanksgiving. You, you see... When we open our hands to help those through the cup of blessing we do in WOW, when, when we give to Fifth Sunday contribution for our benevolence, you, you see, as we give and open our hands that way, what's happening on the backside of that is thanks is going up to God. And, and, and then as we give and we are trying to support and, and fulfill the obligation toward our missionaries and reach our, our goal in, in mission giving. When we do that and we meet that goal and our hands are open, what happens is, is that thanksgivings go up to God, not just here from sunset where we're like, praise God, we raised the money, but thanksgiving is going up in all parts of the world. And not just by our missionaries, but those people over there that are seeing that we're giving to them so that they can do these things in in their country and so more and more and more thanksgiving is going up to God as we open up our hands and as we open up our hands each week to support the budget here and the in the kingdom work that we're doing here at sunset that just goes on and on and on as we do that more and more and more thanksgiving's going up to God and and and, and I'm so thankful myself for for that as, as we uh, set aside funds for our food vouchers, that we give food to those who are, are needy. As you do that, thanksgiving is going up to God. And as you take a sack and bring it back, and this food and supplies go to children out of the children's, uh, Lubbock's children's home, can you imagine and think about all the thanksgiving that's going up to God? Every time you open your hand, don't you see that this, this concert of thanksgiving is going up to God? Doesn't that give your heart joy to know that God is getting the thanks that he so rightfully deserves? I believe that this joy of thanks going to God is the thing that has the joy that's in all of our stories. It's the thing that inspires us to move away from this casual self-walk type of giving that's centered right here and move more closely and continue to move toward that purposeful, 
open-handed, crosswalk living that's focused not here, but focused there. And focused on giving others what they need. I like the picture in my mind, and it's just a picture, but I like the picture in my mind of the throne room of God being just filled up with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving that comes in a lot of different ways, but especially thanksgiving that comes from the open hand. So this morning, this is really a lesson just to encourage us all. It's a lesson to encourage us to to look at our hands and then say to our hands, open up, continue to be open, give your best and your first, give like you depend on God, and give so that many thanksgivings will go up to the Father. And it will be enough. It will be enough. Bill, I'm going back to what you said earlier. Best and first. First and best. God's love came to us first. And it came to us best because he gave his only begotten son. He gave all he had to give so that we might be saved. This morning, God wants to give you his best and his first. His son, Jesus Christ, and his cleansing blood. If you'll believe in him and if you'll be baptized into his name. And receive the forgiveness of your sins. And spiritually speaking, as Princeton talked about, his best will always be given unto you. If you need to receive the first and best of God this morning, do so while we stand and while we sing.